0: of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is such a wonderful Old Testament book, and uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, if you've not read through them in a while, this would be a good time to do it. Um, Each Wednesday evening, I'm going to try to bring you a message from Nehemiah for the next couple of weeks, and uh, just share uh, some truths from the Word of God out of the book of Nehemiah. And uh, so if you'll turn there with me. and pray for me tonight i have a very sore throat and uh, i blame lucy for it tonight so and uh, <laughs> so but uh my throat is really really sore so please be in prayer for that i'm grateful for Kyle coming in tonight amen <laughs> that was a huge help and so god just blessed me i saw him walk in the door and i went oh. <laughs> so and uh, let, me, uh, let me have you turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll read on through verse 7, and you can remain seated this evening. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hananiah, um, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah and asked them concerning the Jews that has escaped, were, uh, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned, certain days and fasted and prayed before the god of heaven and i and said i beseech thee o lord god of heaven the great and terrible god that keepeth covenant and mercy from them that love him for them that love him and observe his commandments let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which i pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house of sin. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest, thy servant Moses. Let's pray. Father, thank you, and ask now that you just... Let me uh, share with you, I, uh, when I first started teaching Sunday school classes, my pastor... Um, encouraged me not to get books uh, like regular Baptist press books and read them and then do my Sunday school lessons. What he had me do was he had me sit down and read the Bible, and then he would have me write my Sunday school lessons from having read the Bible. He would then look at my Sunday school lessons and approve them, and then I could go in and teach those Sunday school lessons based upon having read the Scriptures Uh, One of the things he encouraged me to do was use the Strong's Concordance, and he tried to get me to not read other material because he believed that the Holy Spirit of God uh, would speak to your heart as you read and study. Uh, It was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Since then, you know, I've read books on different subjects, but this was one of the first um, books that I had done in a study and had taught it as a Sunday school class, and I had to teach it to the adults. And so that was exciting for me. And uh, so I wanted to make sure that I got everything right. And as I put this together again, I was going back, and I don't know if you folks know, when I first got here, my computer crashed, and I had thousands of messages on my computer, and I lost all of them. And uh, I had carbonite.com or whatever, and they're supposed to be pristine and keeping everything. Well, they do as long as you put it on your desktop. And so I was saving all my files thinking I was saving those, and I didn't. And so God has encouraged my heart to come back and do a a deeper study again, and it's fun to do it again. It's getting exciting to get back into the Word of God this way and not rely on what might be in a file drawer. And uh, so I share that with you because uh, there's a a couple of lines in here. In verse 6, it says, Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. And really, that's going to be kind of the focus of the message tonight, and you know, there are many times in the scriptures that we find the Lord sending a man to do a task that is seemingly impossible for them to complete. Uh, when I took um, uh, Bayview Baptist Church at the time, uh, there were 27 people voting me in, six stayed, and in 13 years, God built a work there, brought a young man in. That young man took that work, and I've brought, been, have been brought here, and uh, when I came out, I saw a big task ahead of me, But I see so much potential here at Calvary, and I see so much potential in the community uh, to reach the lost. And when you look at this, there are times that a task looks impossible for us to complete. Well, this is true. They personally are not able to complete the work, but those that trust the Lord, we see the impossible made possible. There's so many times that we look at something and we say, well, it's impossible, or things aren't the way that we think that they should be, and so we find that it's impossible to accomplish something. And I see here that Jerusalem was in a very tough situation. I mean, you look at their condition uh, that they were in, and uh, they're in a tough situation. The wall had been brought down and needed rebuilding uh, for the protection of the people of God, and so they needed to build that wall back up. And so the Lord ultimately is their protection uh, for the people, but this stopped the attacks on Jerusalem, and it fortified the city whenever the wall was up. And Nehemiah, by the way, his name means Yahweh consoles. That means that God consoles or is there to comfort. And so Nehemiah was chosen of the Lord to complete an impossible work for man. And when you look at what he had to accomplish in uh, such a short period of time, for a man to do that, it's impossible. But with God, we say this all the time, all things are possible for man. uh, and And you look at it, the Lord knew that he could rely on faithful Nehemiah. When I read this book what I see is God knowing that he could count on Nehemiah to get the job done. And as I thought about this through this study, we're going to see the character of a godly man. And you'll see Nehemiah and his character will really shine through throughout these chapters. And then you'll see the work of the Lord. You'll see what God accomplishes through a people. And and we'll talk about it because the Bible says, and these people had a mind to work And then a people just willing to work in a heart of confession and repentance. A group of people that when Nehemiah came on the scene, you look at verse uh, 6 and 7, and he talks about that he prayed day and night and that he confessed his own sins as well as the sins of the nation of Israel. And he spoke specifically about some sins where they had sinned against God. And so Nehemiah is bringing all of this out. And the wall was just part of the work. But I really believe what God was doing, more than just rebuilding a wall, He was rebuilding a people. He was rebuilding what He was doing. And rebuilding a people was God's plan. And you know you know this to be true, because if you read Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, you see the conditions of things, and you see God rebuilding His people, bringing that small remnant together to bring forth His work. And so it was an amazing set of books here uh, to get a hold of. And so I asked the question tonight, and I asked myself as I was putting this together, are you willing to pray that the Lord have an attentive ear and open eyes to the need of rebuilding this work at Calvary? Uh, We know some folks have gone and numbers are down and, and those kinds of things, and we can allow that to dictate how we think, but yet God has a work to do, and He wants to accomplish it through this remnant, through these very people that are sitting in this room tonight, God has a work that he wants to accomplish. And so there are many comparisons and contrasts, and we'll look at the book of Nehemiah in relationship to this work here at Calvary that God has called us to complete. So, just as he called Nehemiah to leadership and to organization of the rebuilding of the wall, God has set a, set a task before this church, this group, this membership. And the task before us is, is that there is a lost and dying world around us. This is our Jerusalem. And God wants us to go out and reach these people with the gospel that He may be lifted up, that the very foundation that we build it upon is Him. And He'll rebuild the wall or the foundation here in Minster. And there are three issues at stake that should motivate us to to the task at hand. First of all, there was news that came in. And uh, by the way, Chris and Connie, when I was putting this together, I was thinking about when the doctor walked into the room and was speaking to Patty that night. And, and when I was standing in there, there was news brought into the room. And it was uncomfortable news, news that you don't want to hear. And, and, and I was standing in that room, and, I, and by the way, the doctor was very difficult to understand. I, don't, I can't remember his name, but he was very hard to understand. And, and I was listening, but it was news that you don't want to hear. And so what you want to do is, to, what do you do with news whenever it's not comfortable? When it's not what you want to hear, what do you do with that news? So this is the first thing that's at stake. Second thing is this, the response. What is the response to the news that we receive sometimes? How do we respond as Christians? And then lastly, what is at stake is the confession. In times, there is a place of confession, and we need to understand the importance as Christians about confession. And so I want us to look at this through the book of Nehemiah. And as we do, the first issue at stake is the news, there are times when you receive, uh, it, it's not what you want to hear, but it does not cease to be true. And no matter how difficult the news is, you have to take it in. Uh, my parents, uh, when we lived in Illinois, uh, we lived on Garfield Avenue in Illinois, 548 Garfield Avenue. Why I remember that, I have no idea. <laughs> I was just 12 years old, but I remember my aunt coming to school to pick us up, and I remember going into the house, and I I remember I could see the looks on my family's face and my dad's face, and I knew something was seriously wrong. And he had to share something with us as young children, just little kids. and, And I remember looking at my dad, and with all that he could muster up within himself, he had to share with us that our sister had died, who was a little over eight months pregnant. And and that she had died in a fire, and that we had lost two nephews, and and or uh, uh, his nephews, our cousins, in a fire. And I and I remember watching my dad's face as he's he's trying to give that news, and I watched my brothers and sisters as they receive that news. And as I think about that, no matter how difficult it is to listen to, uh, or hard to be understood, sometimes you have to put the news out there. Well, I share with you tonight that we need to grow. And if we're going to grow, we have to be in unity of the faith. And part of unity of the faith is this, is that we're all on the same page, working for the same God, the same Lord Jesus Christ, working and building off of that foundation. Let me share something with you. In John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14, Jesus made this statement. He's talking to the disciples, and He says to them, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. And sometimes... There was news to be shared, but it's hard to take it in. And, and he said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto me. So he is telling them something, but... What, what he said, there are some things you can't understand yet. I'm going to go off the scene, but the Spirit's coming on the scene. Isn't that what he was telling them? And he was saying, this is what's happening. And so the Spirit of God is coming onto the scene. And Jesus had many things to share with the disciples, but knew they could not bear it. But in due time, they began to understand as the Holy Spirit began to work in their life. What we need at Calvary is we really need God and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. <laughs> We need God and the Holy Spirit really working in our hearts. We need God and the Holy Spirit to drive us to do those things that we know are best. And, and not just things that are good, but what is best. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that for us. Nehemiah receives the news about the condition of Jerusalem. It was around November, December. Chislu is that, that month. And it was not good, but instead of retreating, he turned to the Lord with the news. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm finished. That's not what he did. He didn't retreat. He went and did what needed to be done. The conditions were terrible. There, were, there was captives, a broken wall, and only a small remnant left behind. And the need was great and the task was overwhelming. When you look at the number of people compared to the size of the work, it was unreal. And yet God wanted to use that small remnant to accomplish something. And do you know, you think about it many a times, when Gideon went into battle, he didn't go into battle with everybody, did he? Everybody that he thought he needed, he went into battle with a very small group of people compared to what he had. And, and, and so when you look at the numbers that Gideon actually went into battle with, it wasn't what he thought he was going to go into battle with. But yet God, they even came in and swept over and won the battle, didn't he? He's the one that took care of everything. There are times in our personal lives And in the life of the church, the conditions are not ideal, but God's still at work. So as Hannah and I shared with Nehemiah, the Lord is using His Word to reveal to us the need at Calvary is great. God has a small remnant that He wants to use, and you're a part of that remnant. You're a part of that group. You're a part of what He wants to use. And so you think about this. What do you do with the news that we're receiving tonight? Well, let's take it all to the Lord in prayer. And let it motivate us, not deflate our faith, but motivate our faith. Because we have to be much more reliant on God rather than people. We have to be much more reliant on what He's going to accomplish through us. Now, Nehemiah received the news, and his desire was to see what God wanted to do about the conditions of Jerusalem. And so let's take Calvary to the Lord in prayer and find out what God wants to do and how He wants to do it. For, you know, it is the Lord's. Is this not the Lord's? It belongs to God. And so if it belonged to God, uh, then should we not consult the master of the house on what he thinks we ought to do? And so we ought to consult the master. And here it is, are you willing to pray that the Lord have an attentive ear and open eyes to the need of rebuilding this work at Calvary? Pastor's not blind. We need to rebuild. We need to do some things. We need to reach some families. And I believe God wants to do that through this remnant sitting in this room tonight. And as I thought about it, it's important to respond to the message in a way that pleases the Lord. Don't let this anger us. Let it please the Lord. So the second issue at stake is the response. Look at the response of Nehemiah when he receives the news. Notice his actions. Notice his response. Look at verse 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and what did he do? I sat down and wept and mourned at certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. He's saying, Lord, I can't do anything about this, (laughs) but you can. And so, God, I'm coming to you because I don't know what to do. I know that we're in a lost and dying world. We're in a lost and dying society. There was a time, I I just went to an Ohio Independent Baptist Preachers Fellowship yesterday. Three men got up and preached, three different men. And it was amazing how the Holy Spirit worked in that meeting to bring forth a message. But we were talking about a time when you could go and knock on doors and people would welcome you. I mean, it was easier to win people to Christ then. And I'm not saying God's not still in the soul winning business because he is in the soul winning business. But I remember when I first went to Colonial Beach and what it was like, I was in someone's house probably every other day. And it was easy to knock on doors and people would invite you in. And today there's that resistance. And what we have to ask God is God help tear down that wall and help us to build up this wall. And so as we look at this, the second issue at stake is the response. Let us stop looking through the windows of the past and start working toward a future as a team for the glory of the Lord. You say, what team? This team right here, us this group. Let us work toward doing something for the glory of the Lord. Now, what type of response are you going to have as we look to rebuilding this ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Lord? Let our response be a humble response. I think that's what Nehemiah's was. It wasn't a response of anger. We see a heart of humility. And he he approached it with a heart of humility. And so let our response be a humble response that Nehemiah approached the news he received about Jerusalem he approached it with a humble spirit. Now, there is a work that needs to be rebuilt at Calvary and if the Lord can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days, what is he willing to do for this remnant sitting in this room? I look around, I know there's some really faithful people in here. There are some folks that have been here for quite a while and there were probably days and there was a heyday when probably these pews were filled from front to back. And maybe even with that wall busted out and the pews going all the way to the back wall. And those are wonderful days. But do you know there is yet a future with God? Amen? Amen. And so what we have to think about is where are we going to go? Now we can just sit and look through the window of the past, or we can say, Lord, what is it that you want to build now? Where is the direction that you want to take us? What direction do you want to take us in? And I believe that's a heart of humility. Now, let it be our desire that the Lord hear our prayers. Look at the attitude and spirit of Nehemiah's response. It wasn't a blame game. It wasn't that, well, it's this person's fault or that person's fault or that pastor's fault or this deacon's fault or uh, it's a Sunday school teacher's fault or it's someone's fault. Someone has to be blamed. That's what the government does, don't they? That's what I, I mean, I worked for the federal government. I know what it's like to just see people get blamed for things all the time. That's not what God desires. He desires a heart of unity. It's not a blame game. And so, uh, or should we get angry with each other or with the Lord? But a heart of humility that changed the course of Jerusalem. When I look at Nehemiah, his heart of humility is what changed the course of things. How he approached it. And so, when Nehemiah heard the words, he sat down. He just sat down. And what is the next thing that he did after he sat down? He wept. And then he mourned certain days. And he fasted and he prayed. That's a different approach, isn't it? That's a heart of humility. That's saying, Lord, we need you in this. And here's the thing. When Nehemiah heard the words, he did these things and let all of us count on the Lord to rebuild the walls at Calvary and be encouraged to do the following with pastor. Let's sit down together. And when's the last time we wept together? Together. And you say, for what? For the lost? For the needs of Calvary? For the desire of God to win the lost to Christ? When I look at this, let's sit down and mourn for some days over what need to be done. And say, Lord, we need people in this ministry. Listen, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are what? They're few. We need some laborers, Lord. I can't make laborers, the Lord can. (laughs) I can encourage laborers. I can I can disciple laborers, but I can't make them be laborers. But we need some laborers if we're going to grow the work. And as I look at this, let's sit down and weep and mourn for days. Let's fast. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? By the way, fasting's not just an Old Testament thing. It's New Testament. And if you've never fasted, it's very healthy for the body. And I, I can bring a message on what it means to fast. And fast is not a light, uh, weight loss program, by the way. Fasting is that not that I might change or manipulate God, but that God might have me. That's what fasting's really about. And that's to let the Lord have me. So maybe fast and pray together. Pray before the God of heaven. Now think about that for a moment. Who are we praying to? The God of heaven. The one who created the heavens and the earth. Can he help us? Can he change the course or the direction of things? Can he add to the church daily such as should be saved? Can he help us as we come to him? Can he show his mercy and his grace? I believe God wants to bless us. As I look to the Scriptures, I have no doubt about that God wants to bless us. But in that, He's looking for obedient hearts. He's looking for a unity of faith. He's looking for all the people to be on the same page. And as I look at this, this work that God has set before us, let us sit down and weep and mourn and fast and pray before the God of heaven, for this is God's work, and we are His servants. And I think what we ought to do is seek the Master. (laughs) What is it, Lord, you would have us to do? And how would you have us to do it? As I think about this, the answers to rebuilding the work are God's. And we have a great God who loves us. We have a great God who loves us. And and wants to bless us as we glorify Him, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our response to rebuilding is not to point the finger at one another, but to put out a helping hand and work together with a loving heart to reach the lost with the gospel. (laughs) Reach the lost. I keep sharing with the church I have two folks over at the Marathon gas station. Take some tracks over. (laughs) If you take some tracks over, I promise you they'll go, there's a guy comes in here with two kids, and they give us these things. (laughs) I promise you they're there. I promise you if you go around uh, the community, you'll find out pastor is trying to win the lost. Pastor is knocking on doors, and I want to win Todd Weigand to the Lord. You ought to write that down and start praying with pastor. I want to win him to the Lord. Yesterday, I was over at Wagner's and, and, and ran into Wally, and I said, we need to get together. He goes, yes, we do. And he said, how is Michael doing? He asked about my son. I'm grateful that my son kept a good testimony while he was there. Amen? And the thing of it is, is that what if we win Wally Wagner to the Lord? What if we win Todd Wygant to the Lord? Hey, listen, pray with pastor. I keep running into these guys. Bill Ernst, who owns the archery shop in town, I haven't forgotten about him. My wife's at the bank, and, and she's working with people that, that are you folks are related to. And, and she's trying to win people to Christ. I think God placed her in the bank to do just that. But we are trying to win people to the Lord. And I want you to start praying with Pastor, because I believe God is just this close to breaking down some strongholds. I believe God's about to give this church a breakthrough. And when he does, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle the blessing. But I know my God wants to bless Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. Hey, listen, he didn't put this church here by accident. He put it here on purpose, amen? And he did it so many years ago. Let not not our hearts get discouraged. Let, let Let it not be troubled. And we look at this and we see this and we say, God, what is it that you would have us to do? When I look at this, Nehemiah, I recall the character of God that he served. The Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, the God that keeps covenant and mercy. That's wonderful thoughts, isn't it? God doesn't give up. God wants us to carry on. And sometimes it's troubled times. It's hard times. I was listening to guys preach yesterday, and some of them are so brokenhearted. They said their Wednesday night services are so down now. So few people go to a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. And I mean, these are good men in good churches. I talked to Brother Edwards not long ago. He said, I have 17 on Sunday morning, 350 on Sunday night, and I may have 100 on Wednesday for a prayer meeting. And it's probably one of the most important things we do as a local New Testament church. Hey, listen, it's not just Calvary. And I'm not trying to compare. I'm just simply saying the world out there needs Christ. If the pews are going to be full, then we have to reach the lost with the gospel. I can't win people to the Lord. God wins them. I just must plant in water, amen? And I share the gospel. So I challenge you, anytime you get an opportunity, give someone a track. Well, pastor, you know, uh, this, that. No, 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 no. Just start handing out tracks. Don't let the devil give you any excuse in your mind. Some have told me, well, it's the condition of the building. Some have told me, well, it's the way it looks on the outside. Some have told me, well, they were here in the past. Some have told me, well, it's this and it's that and it's that. Hey, no, 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 no. It's none of those things. We have a great God. Amen? Amen. And it can't be all of those things. And what it is is that there is a world out there that know not Christ. And so what is our response Notice the condition to God displaying His character to the people of Jerusalem. For them that love Him and observe His commandments. He said, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. One of the things He's commanded us to do is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And By the way, there's some creatures out there today, are there not? I mean, it's amazing. I, you know, I, I, st- I, I, I get on a rabbit trail. I'll stop. <laughs> Just getting my phone the other day, and I, I was just standing, I was stunned. I, I kept looking at the guy's ears, thinking, who does that to their ears? <laughs> who in the world does it?" I mean, I got enough holes in my body, amen? I don't need to add those, you know what I mean? And, and all I kept thinking about is, is he saved? Is he saved? Is he saved? You pray, his name is Matt, <laughs> He said, my dad was a preacher up in Lima. Because your dad was a preacher doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Amen? So you pray for me. I'm going back to see Matt. We, had a, we, got, new, we got Ohio phone. I'm a real Ohio resident. Now I got a, an Ohio number. Amen? And so that's what we went over there for. And I spent, and I, I don't think God did this on accident. Anita's phone wouldn't activate. And so I had to keep going back and going back. This was Monday. I was in that store so much, I thought, I could run this place for you. And I, and, and I don't think God did that on accident. He did that on purpose, and I had to keep talking to Matt and talking to Matt and talking to Matt and talking to Matt. And finally, Matt started to reveal who he was and what he's doing, and he's got a wife and he's got kids. I think God wants that man to get saved, amen? Now, you go over there, and you hand him a track and say, hey, my pastor was in there the other day, and he said, you need to get saved. <laughs> go tell him. And the thing of it is, is that God can do some amazing things. To blame each other or your pastor for the condition of the walls as members will not solve what we need to accomplish, but a heart and a mind to do the work that is set before us. You're there in Nehemiah. Just turn over to chapter 4 real quick. I want you to see this. Nehemiah chapter 4, look at verse 6. So built we the wall and all the wall was joined together under the half thereof. And what does it say? For the people had a mind to what, folks? That means they were together on this, right? They're working together. They're on the same page. Pastor Warnick has no greater desire than to see souls get saved. I didn't come out here for any other reason but then to love on you folks and to win the loss to Christ. That's why I came. And my greatest desire is to see people get saved. My greatest desire is to see souls come to Christ. My greatest desire is to watch God add to the church daily, such as should be saved. My greatest desire is to see God start calling young men out of this church to go to the ministry, to go to the mission field, to go into the pastorate. (laughs) My greatest desire is to watch God do that. It won't be me that does it, by the way. It won't be the man that stands behind the pulpit. It'll be the God that we serve that does those things. As we have a mind to work So build we the work, and all Calvary was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. (laughs) The last thought is this the work must begin with a heart of humility. The work must begin with a heart of humility. When I look at verses 6 and 7, I see a man who with a heart of humility came before his God, the Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Here comes Nehemiah. And he asks God with a humble heart, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, uh, that thou mayest hear the prayers of thy servant, which I pray before thee now. But when he does that, notice what he does. There's a heart of confession. And he says, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Now notice what he says. Both I and my Father's house have what? Sinned. We all have sinned, folks. We all do. What we need to do is confess it to God and say, Lord, we want to be used of you. Now listen to me. Stick with this for just a moment. The third issue at stake is the confession. The request is before the Lord to listen unto the cry so that the hearts are prepared to do the work that the people are called to complete. And I believe God often puts a project before the people to help bring them into focus with the Lord's will. And He reveals those that are unwilling to cooperate and those that are willing. And by the way, when we get into these messages, you'll see there are some unwilling participants in the rebuilding of the wall. There was, there was trouble without and there was trouble within. And the thing of it was is that God never stopped working. There is confession that takes place by Nehemiah, and the Lord begins to work in the lives of others as a spirit of repentance begins. If we want to see revival, we have to have a heart of repentance. We have to have that desire to see God work. The request is this an attentive ear and open eyes that the prayer of his servant be heard as he prayed day and night for the servants and confession of sins that have been sinned against God. And notice that Nehemiah includes himself. And pastor doesn't exclude himself, pastor includes himself. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, amen? And we all need to confess our sins because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And notice that he includes himself in the sinful behavior against God and he then unfolds what the sins include. So what did they include? Notice that he says, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. He's talking to God. Now, wait a minute. I'm looking at Nehemiah's life, and I'm thinking, here's a man who fasted, mourned, prayed certain days. I mean, he did all these things, and he says, look, I'm a sinner. When we come to that place recognizing that there's sin in our lives, and we need to confess those things, I believe that pleases the Lord. God can begin to do a work at that point. As as we see this, uh, he, he says, these are the things. This is what it included. He said, we dealing corruptly with God, not keeping the commandments of God, not doing the things that God has called us to do. And by the way, God has called every Christian to be a witness. That is not a gift. That's a command in the Bible. Amen? It's not that you're gifted with that. I've heard people say, well, I'm just not gifted in witnessing. It's not about a gift. It's about the fact that we should witness. <laughs> and we should just do this. Why? Because God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, when we got saved, ye shall be witnesses. That's what we're to be. Not just Pastor and Mrs. Warnick and Elise and Michael and Connor and Emily, but all of us are to be witnesses. All of us are to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, what are the sins? Well, it was uh, dealing corruptly with God, not keeping the commandments of God, not keeping the statutes of God. In other words, the principles that God lays down in his word, do I follow them? Uh, Am I I a person of prayer? Am am I studying, faithful? Am I I doing things? And listen, this is not your salvation being in jeopardy. We're just talking about remaining in fellowship with God. We're just talking about our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another. These are things that God says, some of these are His statutes. These are things that He wants us to do. And so we have sins of omission and we have sins of commission. There are things that we take out of our lives that should remain, and there are things that should get out of our lives that stay in. And so we have sins of omission and we have sins of commission. The things that we omit sometimes is prayer and Bible reading and church and fellowship and giving and serving. We sometimes omit those things. And God says those are the things that should be included. Then there are those things that we uh, do bring into our lives that we should not. Perhaps there's alcohol in your life and there shouldn't be. Perhaps there's cigarette smoking in your life, and there shouldn't be. Perhaps there's uh, drugs, or perhaps there's some things you're indulging in, maybe pornography, maybe there's some things that you're allowing into your lives that don't need to be there. And God's saying, those things need to go. But those are some of the things that we're bringing into our lives. Or we're accepting the ways of the world sometimes. Well, we just need to accept homosexuality. It's here to stay. That's not what the Scriptures teach. Well, maybe we should uh, accept same-sex marriage because uh, it's just going to be. That does not coincide with the Scriptures. Well, maybe we should just accept the fact that Ohio is going to start allowing farmers to start growing marijuana instead of corn. Should we accept that? No, we, we don't accept that because... God says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And I don't see Jesus Christ smoking marijuana. I don't see it happening. And you say, well, it's for medical purposes. If it were for medical purposes, why are they driving down the highway, token on it while they're driving down the highway? They don't need it down the highway. If it's medication, go home and take it. Amen? but they're putting other people in jeopardy. And you see these things. You say, I'm saying to the church, I'm saying just as Paul spoke to Timothy, in the last days, these are perilous times. Well, men shall be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Having the form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away, God said. But listen, we need to have the power of God on Calvary. So maybe there's some things in our lives that need to go. Maybe there's some things that need to come out of our lives. We're not taking the time in this message to take apart all these various sins, but suffice it to say, the message was to repent and confess, for we need the Lord to complete this work. We need God to do this. Nehemiah was looking to the Lord for his plan to protect his people and to rebuild his wall and to grow that remnant. And if you desire to see God and have us grow spiritually and numerically, be willing to come forward with your pastor. And with a heart of humility, and let's confess. And let's say, God, I'm not where I need to be. God, we need to be in the unity of the faith here. (laughs) We need to be all on the same page, going in the same direction, with the same goal in mind. The lost need to be saved. Now consider this tonight. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to lead us in rebuilding the work at Calvary. What is it that it's going to require of us? This is not just a moment in time. This isn't just a one-time prayer or just a quick shot hoping that something might happen, I believe it's sitting down. I believe it's weeping. I believe it's mourning certain days and fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. Let me share this with you. Your pastor only knows to preach the Word. I don't know anything else, folks. I really don't. I know to preach the Word, and I know to win the loss. That's what I know. I don't know a whole lot beyond that. But I will tell you this. Let's witness to the loss and stay faithful in the work and let the Lord build the house. Let me share these two verses with you and then we'll go to God in prayer. The first verse is this, the Lord's responsibility. You might want to write this down. And this is God's responsibility. It's not mine. Psalm 127.1 Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Psalm 127.1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If we're trying to build this work, then maybe God isn't. But if we say, Lord, we're going to do our part, and we're going to ask you to build the work. Let me tell you the pastor's responsibility. Acts 6.4 says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer, and to the ministry of the Word. I can do you no greater service as a pastor than to witness and know the Word so I can preach the truth. There's no greater service I can do for Calvary. None. None than trying to teach Calvary the truth of the gospel. What I want us to do tonight, I know you have a prayer list there, and maybe some of you have a few prayer requests, but I want to challenge us tonight And even if you can't kneel, maybe you can come up to the